0: Here's a look at what's going on this week at Abundant Life.
1: During the Christmas holidays, the administrative offices will be closed from Monday, December 24th through Monday, January 7th. From January 6th through 12th, ALCF will come together for Consecration Week, a time for us as a community to seek God in specific ways in believing prayer.
0: Men, If you truly want to understand how your past shapes and impacts who you are today, be sure to sign up for the next men's huddle series, A Man and His Story. The series kicks off with a vision breakfast meeting on Saturday, January 12th from 8.30 to 10 a.m. in the fellowship hall, continuing on Saturdays through March 2nd. The cost is $25 and scholarships are available.
1: Here's the lineup for equipping center classes beginning in January.
0: If you're looking to enhance the power of your prayers, don't miss our upcoming class, Praying with Authority and Power. The classes take place on Sundays from 12 to 1.30 p.m. starting January 6th through February 17th in Classroom 2. And be sure to join Valerie Saunders for Jesus Among Secular Gods. classes take place on Sundays starting January 20th through February 24th from 12 to 1.30 p.m. in Allies 2.
1: If you're looking to get the most out of your Bible studies, sign up for how to read and study the Bible. The classes take place on Sundays starting March 3rd through April 7th from 12 to 1.30 p.m. in Classroom 2. In the New and Better Promises class, elders are Shel Finney and Keith Richardson, will unpack the Lord's commitments and assurances to us as believers in Jesus Christ. The classes take place on Sundays starting March 10th through May 5th from 12 to 1.30 p.m. in Allies 2. The cost for praying with authority and power and Jesus among secular gods is $25 each. The cost for how to read and study the Bible and new and better promises is $20 each and childcare is available for all classes with pre-registration.
0: Don't miss Get In Sunday, a great opportunity to meet our leadership, get exposed to our growth groups, and discover ways to use your unique abilities at Abundant Life. Join us on January 13th from 12 to 1.30 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall and back parking lot for this great event, which also includes lunch.
1: Anxious for Nothing is our next women's Bible study. This six-week study takes place on Sundays, January 20th through February 24th, from 1230 to 2 p.m. in Classroom 5. The entire month of February is Fantastic Four Month. Pastor Brian will preach on the top four sermon topics that you submit. Send in your request by January 20th at alcf.net slash signups.
0: The last Sunday of the month is now family-friendly. Safari Kids will be closed, and your entire family is invited to join us in the sanctuary for our worship celebration. To sign up for any of these upcoming events, go to alcf.net slash signups or check out the ALCF app. And remember, Abundant Life exists to make a better you for a better world.
2: Father, would you receive our worship in this place today as we turn our attention not to our problems, uh, not to what's going on this afternoon, but as we turn our attention to a little baby boy wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger. God, that we would see Jesus afresh and anew today. Uh, Someone needs to see him for the first time. They need, Lord God, to invite him as Savior and Lord into their lives. So would you do that? Some of us need to see him with fresh eyes today. Some of us, Lord God, have have wandered away from you. We know you, but we just haven't been in right relationship with you. We pray, Lord God, that Jesus Christ, the friend of sinners, would lovingly woo us back into the Father's arms. It's that in Lord Jesus that I'm available to you. Uh, God, I'm amazed at the fact that you still put up with me. So would you speak through me one more time? Put shoe leather on your word today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. You may be seated. And I need you to multitask with me. Uh, please, uh, on the one hand, meet me in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Uh, beginning in verse 8, we're going to look at verses 8 through 21 for a time of study in God's word today. I also want to just uh, both encourage you, thank you so much for your generous giving uh, this month so far. Uh, but we want to encourage you to excel still more. Uh, we have said as an elder team uh, that whatever we get in excess, uh, we are going to make sure uh, that our benevolence fund is reaped with your extraordinary gifts. This year it was just an extreme joy uh, to help families in need, people in need who couldn't pay their rent, couldn't pay their mortgage, um, to put food on people's tables. I, I think that's just the bare essence of what the church should be about. It is helping the helpless. Now that was a cute clap if we were on a PGA Tour course watching some golf, trying not to disturb them. But if you believe the church should be about helping people. Would you, just, would you just bless the name of the Lord. So help us through your generous giving. Uh, last thing I'll say before we get into the text, uh, you saw an announcement about Consecration Week, January. I know many of y'all don't do the dreaded R word uh, resolution. So I, I understand that. Uh, but we are going to come together and uh, just as a body, January 6th, Uh, The first Sunday in January, I want to encourage you to be here. Uh, I'm going to walk you through kind of a state of the church address, uh, what we're believing God for, and that's going to kick off consecration week. You'll get one of these uh, bookmarks uh, that just kind of lays out what we're going to do as a community each day of the week. All right. And we're going to fast together. We're going to be studying the same scriptures together and we're going to be praying together as well. Amen. So we want we just believe there's power when we come together in believing prayer and consecrating the year to God. So uh, hopefully you'll get in on that. We are definitely looking forward to that. Pick me up in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. Luke writes these words. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. And saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Before he was conceived in the womb. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know about you, but 2018, just from a a news headline perspective, has just been a depressing year. I've put Fox News on punishment and MSNBC on punishment and CNN. There's just been times I've just been boycotting the news. I'm like, life is hard enough and then i got to turn on the television and get even more depressed. Anyone here ever felt like that this year? Now i know i know i know every year has its share of bad headlines, right? But there was an extra anointing of that in 2018. Just a couple months ago, can you imagine being in Pittsburgh and A group of people go to a Jewish synagogue, worshiping. The furthest thing from their mind is having to run for their lives. And yet here they are trying to worship and in in walks this deranged individual and just shoots up the joint. And when it's all said and done, 11 people trying to just worship, die. How our hearts sank at that horrible news. Seeing that headline made me think back to earlier in 2018 where here you have some high school students at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High down there in Florida. I'm sure when they waved goodbye that morning and kissed their parents or told their parents, see you later, the assumption was, I'm going to do just that. I'm going to see you later. I'm going to get back home. And another deranged individual walks into what's supposed to be a safe place—school. Shoots up the joint, and when it's all said and done, 17 people die. I, I, I mean, I get a little ticked off when my kids tell me that that they do active shooter drills. I mean, we did tornado drills. Well, I didn't live in California. We didn't, do, we didn't do earthquake drills in Atlanta, Georgia. Lord have mercy. And here they are cut down on the precipice of the prime of their life. It, it, listen, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, our obituaries are filled with individuals who made wonderful assumptions about what they were going to do with their lives And then just like that, God says, give me back my breath. My heart sank even more. The border crisis. And please don't take this in any political way. But I don't care where you are in immigration. Kids don't belong in cages. So if you saw those images, your breath was taken away at children, precious, innocent children in cages like animals. And, of course, 2018 was was filled with its, once again, theme of Racial incidents. You know, my community, the black community, we we have a saying, driving while black. This was the year of living while black. I mean, just over here in Oakland, a group of people just happen to be black having a barbecue. They get harassed. Black person at Yale University. (laughs) In the student center totally belongs there, gets harassed. Group of African-Americans checked into an Airbnb, and they're checking out of an Airbnb. And a, and a neighbor there is upset that they didn't smile at her, so she calls the cops on them. And, of course, things reach a pinnacle down there in Dallas. Where you have a, a minority living in his apartment, in his apartment. And a cop who happened to be white thought he was an intruder in her apartment and killed him. You see headlines like this and you say, come Lord Jesus. And I haven't even touched on the soap opera that is Washington, D.C., We should offer prayers in this government shutdown. I just read a headline this morning. It could go well into 2019, some people are suggesting. People are missing paychecks, caught in the crossfire. And it's headline after headline after headline after headline after headline, headline, and you're just going, I just need a good piece of mail. I, you, you, you look at all this, you go, I just need some good news. And I'm just talking about the headlines. I'm not even talking about the headlines at your house. I just got the phone this week with a church planter, and he's bawling his eyes out to me. Here's this church planter. Several years ago, I had a dream of just planting this wonderful church. Uh, he, he didn't have any aspirations that would be a mega church. He just wanted to get some people together and love Jesus and love each other well. And, and yet here he is five or six years later. It's not going well. There's no traction. He's been missing paychecks, has to take on an extra job, just trying to stick, stitch together an existence. And he's worn out. And he's looking at the prospect of literally shutting down his dream. He needs some good news. My suspicion is most of us could use some good news. Sure, we've been through things this year. We've been through things. We've been through difficulties, haven't we? Some of us have been betrayed, knifed in the back by people we thought we could trust. Some of us have been the recipients of constant attacks and beatdowns. You just kind of tapped out. You just can't take it anymore. Others of us are dealing with health crisis. Others of us are dealing with family stuff. In fact, some of y'all, that family stuff is coming to town tomorrow. Pray for me, pastor. Pray for me. Pray for me. you're in need of a good piece of mail. If you're in need of a good piece of mail, you've come to the right place. I've got good news for you. Our text is all about good news. After years of waiting... After years of betrayal, years of living in captivity, years and centuries of living in bondage, there is a breakthrough in the clouds. There's a light at the end of a tunnel. In our text, an angel shows up and says, I bring you great news. No need to fear, no need to wince. The glory of God is here. And that good news is found in Jesus Christ. That's the good news, (laughs) wrapped in swaddling clothes. I want to walk us through this good news quickly today. I won't hold you long, I promise. I I just got three points. Here's our table of contents. First, I want to answer the question, well, what exactly is the good news? Second, who is the good news for? And third, how should this good news affect us? Before we can really get to the good news, we've got to feel a little bit of Israel's plight. If you're here today and you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, or maybe you're a novice to the scriptures and all things Christianity, you need to know that the Bible is divided into two sections. The longer of the two is what we would call the Old Testament. It's the first 39 books of the Bible. Uh, The central character in the Old Testament is Israel. These are the covenant people of God. And the story of the Old Testament is Israel's consistent disobedience. She sins, she sins and she sins and she sins and she sins and she sins. But I want you to put that in juxtaposition to the astounding patience of God. Now, I say it to you all the time, but it really is true. And look no further for uh, than, than Israel if you want proof of this. God has way more mercy than we have mess. Here is Israel just obnoxious and rebelling against God and, and sinning and sinning. And God is patient. One of the ways that we know His patience, He keeps sending the prophets to Israel, warning and warning and warning and warning. And see, I didn't grow up in a house like that. My mama didn't count to three, she didn't do none of that. She didn't do the timeout ministry. Mama said it one time, just once. And if you didn't hear it, you was in trouble. That's not God. God says it over and 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 over. And And finally, he could have wiped them out, but he doesn't do that. He sends them into Babylonian captivity. They get exiled, and if you want a sense of the feeling of Israel during this period of captivity and what they were feeling, look at Psalm 137. I just want to read verse 1. Here's what Israel says after years of disobedience. They said this, By the waters of Babylon there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. Why are they weeping? Why are they in this predicament? This didn't just happen by happenstance, it was because of their disobedience. I just want to give a rhema word to someone. I know it's not very popular to say sometimes things happen to us and it's just called life. Life happens fast. It doesn't mean you did anything wrong, but there are some things that are going on in some of our lives that we kind of ask for. Yeah, I didn't think I'd get an amen on that one. Here is Israel sitting down by the waters of Babylon, weeping. During this period, this long dark night of the soul, Isaiah says these words. Look at them with me in Isaiah 64:1. Oh, that thou wouldst rend the heavens and come down. That's from the King James Version. Isaiah is saying, God, do something. Ever felt that way? Now, ever found yourself in just a crazy season of life where one thing after another after another and problems never come to my house or by themselves. They bring their aunties and uncles and play cousins and they just kind of have a nice little family reunion right there at our house. And there are times in which you'll find yourself exhausted saying, God, do something. That is. Then brings us to the close of the Old Testament, and as Pastor Gary, I believe, said a couple weeks back, between that time and the start of the New Testament, 400 years go by. It's what theologians call 400 silent years. It doesn't mean God wasn't working. God just wasn't speaking. And finally, (laughs) in our text, after years in captivity to Babylon and now Rome and years and centuries of silence, God speaks, and he speaks to shepherds. Stick a pin in that, I'm going to come back to it. And he says these words in verse 10, will you look again at them with me? He says in verse 10, and the angel said to him, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Now watch this, we don't know the angel's uh, name here, we can only guess, but I think that's kind of the point. Who cares what the messenger's name is when that messenger is speaking on behalf of God? Again, I want to just give you another rhema word. Never make too big of a deal out of me. I'm just a messenger. I'm just a postman delivering you God's mail. All God, not me. And here the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I love it. This good news has nothing to do with getting a brand new chariot. This good news has nothing to do with getting 26-inch rims on the chariot. This good news has nothing to do with the healing of some ailment that you have. This good news has nothing to do with your bank account or living your best life now. Those are wonderful American concepts. But this good news is something greater. It is wrapped up in a little baby boy whose name is Jesus. You could have all the trinkets in the world, but if you die without Jesus, you die broke. The story is told of a very wealthy man who had um, two great, uh, his two greatest possessions in his life uh, was his first, his only child, his young son, and his second great possession in his life was his incredible art collection that he had amassed. He had spent the better part of uh, his years and fortune just traveling the world collecting Rembrandts and Picassos and Monets. Finally, tragically, this man died while his son was still young. And according to his will, it was stipulated that upon his death, his whole art collection was to go up for auction. People from all over the world at news of this private art collection going up for auction. They flock to this man's house. The auctioneer bangs his gavel, calls things to order, and he says, The first item up for auction is a painting of a young boy by an an anonymous painter. People are like, give me a break. I didn't come here for that. I came here for the Picassos, the Rembrandts, the Monet's. Nobody wants this. Nobody raises their hands. The auction begins at 10 bucks. Nobody raises their hands except for an elderly woman who used to be his maid. She says, I'll take it for 10 bucks." The auctioneer bangs his gavel. He says, going once, going twice, sold to the elderly lady. And then he bangs his gavel again and he says, this auction is now over. Per the stipulations of this wealthy man's will, this first painting is a painting of his only child, his son, that he painted and he stipulated in his will that whoever gets the son gets it all. That is exactly Jesus Christ. No, I am not saying that if you come to know Jesus, you'll never get sick. No, I'm not saying if you come to Jesus, you'll never have problems. What I am saying is, oh, even though you may be sick, you may even die. But if you are in Christ, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. No, you may not have silver and gold, but if you are in Christ, you will eventually die and walk on streets of gold because you have Christ. For he who has the Son has it all. But now, watch it. Pastor, exactly what do I get when I get Jesus? Notice what the angel says in our text. He says, You get three things when you get Jesus. First, you get a Savior. A Savior. That word savior was a common word. In fact, uh, the emperor at this time is Caesar Augustus. And Caesar Augustus used that word savior of himself. He called himself the savior of the people. That word savior simply means one who rescues, one who delivers. In fact, in Greek culture, all of the gods were referred to as saviors. You turn to these gods to rescue you and to deliver you. And yet, here's Gabriel, he says, I've got great news that when you get Jesus, you get not a lowercase savior, you get a capital S savior. I want to stop right here and drill down into this because I need you to understand this. All of us, not all of you, all of us in this room, hear me now, I think this is probably the most important thing I'll say to you in this sermon. All of us in this room, watch it, have what I call functional saviors in our lives. We all have things that we turn to for rescue and deliverance. When we're triggered by life, when we're worn out by life, we find ourselves stressed or anxious. When we find ourselves disappointed and let down, we all have functional saviors in our lives. Now, your functional savior may not be my functional savior, and my functional savior may not be yours. But we all turn to things to medicate on. For some of you, it's the bottle. It's alcohol. Feeling a little stressed. Feel a little anxious. Instead of turning to Jesus, who's the Prince of Peace, you turn to Hennessy. Grey goose, at least that's what they tell me. <laughs> Red wine, it's your functional Savior. Others of you, no, you don't turn up. Others of you, when you find yourself disappointed, let down, stressed out, anxious, worried, you reach for the credit card. Oh, I know I'm in somebody's house today. You go to Amazon or Nordstrom. You're not feeling too good about yourself. So instead of turning to Jesus, you just whip out the visa. Or the Amex, and you buy another pair of shoes or another purse, it's your functional savior. Others of you, your functional savior is your job. Instead of finding your sense of identity and self-worth in Christ, It's what you do for a living that rescues you from your sense of low self-worth. Others of you, it's your kids. Instead of your identity being in Christ, your sense of self-worth is in your kids and maybe how they perform in athletics or how they perform in the classroom. You're hitting the roof over a low grade isn't so much about the low grade, as much as it is you looking to your kids to give you something that only Christ can give you. It's quiet in here. Some of your function, some of your functional savior is a relationship. You don't know how to be alone. If I'm alone with myself, then I got to start dealing with myself. And I don't want to have to deal with myself. So let me just jump into another relationship. I know it's unhealthy, but I just I can't be alone. I can't be alone. I can't be alone. I can't be alone. So you medicate on love. Let's not fool ourselves. I got functional saviors. You got functional saviors. Now here's the problem with turning to lowercase s functional saviors. They always overpromise and always underdeliver. They leave you more empty than what, what you were before going there. The only one who can truly rescue you is Jesus. That's what I mean. We've got to preach the gospel to, to ourselves. I'm not my shoes. I'm not my possessions. I'm not alcohol. I'm not weed. I'm not any of these things. Did the pastor just say weed? <laughs> Secondly, he says when you get Jesus, you not only get a Savior, you get Christ. Jesus had two names, among others. Jesus Christ. Jesus was a common name. It was his human name. There are many Jesuses. It's a derivative of the Old Testament Yeshua or Joshua. A lot of people had the name Jesus, but only one person had Christ. See, Jesus spoke to his humanity. Christ speaks to his deity. So the good news is when you got Jesus, you not only got a Savior, you got God. God. You didn't just get a buddy, you didn't just get a friend, you didn't just get a next-door neighbor, you didn't even get a good moral teacher. You got God in the flesh. That's who moved into your life. Now, I, I want to pause right here because some of you are here today and you would say, I don't know Jesus Christ. And and, and I just always thought of Jesus as, as a good moral person, a good example, a good moral teacher. But that's about it. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says with me from his book, Mere Christianity. C.S. Lewis writes, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him lord and god. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Listen to you, listen to me. If I stand up here and I say with my glasses on, I'm God, you don't have the option to say I'm just a good moral person. First of all, God don't need glasses. <laughs> so when Jesus says, I'm God, when Jesus says, like he said in John eight fifty eight, before Abraham was, I am, either he's a lunatic or he is who he said he was. There's not a middle option. Thirdly and finally, what do you get when you get Jesus? Thirdly and finally, you get the Lord. Capital L, lowercase o-r-d, simply means master. One who is in control. One who calls the shots in our lives. Now here's our problem. Our problem is we're comfortable with Jesus being Savior. We just don't want him to be Lord. Jesus, thank you for the fire insurance. But I don't want to do what you say. Yeah, this ain't no shouting message. Merry Christmas, y'all. Merry Christmas. (laughs) My son brought home his first paycheck, and I tried to prepare him. I said, son, when you get your first check, I want to introduce you to a young man named FICA. (laughs) FICA is going to take his cut without discussing with you. He's not going to have a conversation, ask you how you feel. He's going to take his off the top. FICA represents our government. Our government essentially says, since you live here and enjoy the rights, benefits, and privileges of living here, I get to exercise lordship in a very personal area of your life. It's called your money. I get mine off the top. You get the benefits, I get your money. That's exactly what Jesus says. If you have the benefits of me dying on the cross for you, of me bearing the weight of your sin, every sin you have ever committed, past, present, and future, I get to call the shots in your life. I get to determine what goes on in your mind. I get to determine what goes on in your body. I get to, ter- I get to call the shots. So for any Christian to say he's Savior but function as if he's not Lord, you need to check out the veracity of your Christianity. If he is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Is he calling the shots in your life? Is he master? Let me jog through these next two. I'll have you out in eight minutes. Here we go. What is the good news? Centered on Jesus. What do we get when we get Jesus? We get Savior, Christ, Lord. But secondly, who is the good news for? Notice that the first group of people we encounter in our texts are shepherds. Don't have time to get into all this. But you need to understand that the average shepherd in that day was a poor peasant who could not afford to buy his own field or to own his own flock. So this poor peasant would hire himself out to wealthy, affluent people who owned their own land and would shepherd their flocks. So that shepherds, although they weren't despised by the people of Israel, shepherds represented the lower echelons of society. Notice what happens. The Bible says God appears to the lower echelons of society in the midst of a farm or in the midst of a field, and the text says that his glory shone around him. What is God's glory? God's glory is his self-advertisement. To put it in 2018 speak, the glory of God is God's personal Instagram account. It is where God shows himself off. Here is God. Represented to a group of poor peasants showing himself off. Now notice the next scene. We now move from a farm to a barn. He says, the sign that I will give you that I in the flesh have come down is you're now going to see God in the flesh living in an animal feeding trough called a manger. The juxtaposition of this is too explicit. While Caesar Augustus sits on a throne, his boss, the king of kings, lays in an animal feeding trough. In other words, who is the good news for? It's for everybody, including the down and out and lowly of society. That's who the good news is for. Oh, several years ago when she was reaching the height of her fame, Princess Diana did the unthinkable. She took her personal doctor on a trip to Angola and prohibited any cameras coming with her. She decided to take this trip and to spend time with the sick and diseased of Angola. She went around from bed to bed, her doctor later said, hugging and caressing these people. She went around from bed to bed speaking words of life and encouragement to them. She went around from bed to bed wiping the sweat off of their heads. She went around from bed to bed hugging and embracing these people. Now, granted, there have been wealthy people who have done this. There have been famous people who have done this. But hardly anybody of royalty does this. There is something powerful when royalty stoops to the down and outs of society. This is Jesus. Royalty in an animal feeding trough. Can't you just smell the putrid foul air surrounding him? This is Jesus. What does this mean for us? It means two things. If Jesus, God in the flesh, will be laying in an animal feeding trough surrounded by foul smell in this messy place, there is no place in your life that is too messed up for Jesus to step into. I don't care how messy the thing may get. I don't care how bad it may be in your life. There is no mess too great for the Messiah not to step in and take care of. It is alive from the pit of hell to get you to think that I'm just too messed up. My addiction's been too long. This heartache's been too bad. If, if you only knew what I've done. I've talked her into having the abortion. I had the abortion. God knew all of that before he saved you. And he says, I still want you. It's the good news. But secondly, here's what it means for us, if Jesus, God in the flesh, would stoop so low to hang out with the marginalized of society, then to follow Jesus Christ authentically means that I likewise must spend time with the down and out of society. If your life is only marked by $5 cups of latte, $200 skinny jeans, and hanging out with the powerful and the privileged, you are not following Jesus closely. What mangers are you hanging out in? What shepherds are you rubbing shoulders with? This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, let's go home on this one in our last three minutes together. How should this good news affect me? Pastor, this is a wonderful story, but what difference should the good news make in my life? I love it. In our text, whenever the good news is given, It is always followed by rejoicing. The shepherds hear the good news and they rejoice. In fact, the text says they get a pep in their step. They make haste to go see Jesus. The text even tells us that that the angels, the heavenly host, the ones delivering the good news are rejoicing. In fact, if you could just thread this needle all the way back to Luke's narrative, if you've just been hanging out with us for the last couple of weeks, you just kind of see this theme. Here is Mary. She visits her cousin Elizabeth. Both of them have babies in utero. And John the Baptist in utero, when he senses the presence of Jesus, leaps for joy. Unbelievable. Does a somersault in his mama's womb. And here's Elizabeth. She rejoices. And then at the end of chapter one, we see Mary writing a whole song of rejoicing. One of the primary ways you know Jesus is authentically in your life, and I'm coming against this cultural Christianity. One of the ways you know you are show sure enough saved is you have joy. Amen. Jesus is in your life. There, there should be joy. Last Sunday, I missed you guys. Um, for very spiritual reasons, I was at Soldier Field with my wife, watching the Bears take on the Packers. That's number one on my wife's bucket list. Greater love hath no man than this, than that a husband sit down at Soldier Field to chair a team he, could, he don't care nothing about in the middle of December. I was freezing, y'all. I was freezing. But while I was freezing, my wife had joy. In fact, she had so much joy, I'm sitting there shivering, and my wife says, I'm going to need you to man up (laughs) and get into this game. Now, why is she excited? My wife's from Chicago. She's excited because she's home, and she's cheering her hometown team. The Bears, that's right, that's right, that's right. And there she is cheering her hometown team against their hated rivals, the Packers. She told me before the game, I don't even care about the outcome, the fact that I'm there. So she had joy regardless of the outcome. But oh, y'all, we had a praying church. The Bears won. They beat their rivals. And not only did they beat their rivals... But they won the division with that victory. They became champs with that victory. Oh, and her joy went to a whole nother level. What am I saying here? I'm saying that on the cross, Jesus Christ took on a greater rival Satan and the enemy. And he defeated them and won the victory. And we are champs in Christ. We ain't working for victory. We are working from victory. And when you let that truth settle in your spirit, there should be joy. There's going to be joy. Finally, what does this joy do to us? Well, Rejo told us the other week. The shepherds, it says, made haste to make known the good news that was told them. Listen to me. If Jesus is your joy, here's here's one way you really know he's your joy. Whatever has your joy has your tongue. Whatever has your joy has your tongue. If I were to spend an hour with you, I could leave that conversation going. Here's where your joy is. Evangelism is really the overflow of joy. That's all it is. I mean, think with me. First time you had in and out Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. First time you had it. Didn't it just bless you? Especially if it was anointed animal style. If it had that little anointing on it. Mm, you spoke in tongues, didn't you? And what did you do? I guarantee you didn't keep it to yourself. You became in and outs personal evangelists. You were telling everybody you knew to get their blessing. Double-double. Well, I think you understand what I'm saying. You witness about what you're joyful about. Is Jesus your joy? If he's truly your Savior... If he's truly your God, if he's truly your Lord, there's joy there. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless you in this place today. We honor you and we thank you for the good news that is ours in Christ. Thank you, thank you, thank you, good news. Now, Father God, someone needs to hear that good news today. Someone needs to receive that good news today in the name of Jesus. Someone needs to bend their knee to the good news that's in Jesus. So would you save someone's soul in the name of Jesus. Do it, Father, we pray. Amen. I make two calls today as the elders and prayer team members come. I make two calls. First of all, you're here today. You haven't received the good news of Jesus Christ. This is not a place of condemnation. This is not a place we're trying to embarrass people. Uh, Why do we call people publicly to come? Well, first of all, that's what Jesus did. Uh, Jesus called people to publicly come to him. But also, we believe in something called discipleship that if you come, we want to be able to pray with you, love on you, and show you the way in which you can go. So that's why we do that. We don't do that to shame you. We do that to rejoice and to walk with you. So first call is I want to call people who don't know Jesus who want to say yes to Jesus. But at the same time, there's a second group here. You do know Jesus, but you're sitting here going, I've got some functional saviors in my life. And they've got a grip on me. Uh, We don't need to know what those functional saviors are, but you want freedom from whatever it may be. Compulsive shopping, compulsive spending, drinking, substance abuse, uh, relationship, whatever it may be, kids. Whatever it may be, we want to pray with you that you would turn from these lowercase s saviors to the capital S Savior. The one who can truly rescue you. Now, Father, unleash yourself in this place today. Do it, Father, we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I won't hold you long. If that's you, if you know Jesus, but there's a functional Savior you want prayer over, would you come? Or if you don't know Jesus and you want to receive this good news, would you come, would you come, would you come? come? Father, it's been a good day, and we bless you for the good gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that Jesus is our Savior. He's our rescuer, our deliverer. Father God, we cash in right now. We, 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 we turn away from the functional false saviors we've been leaning on. And we turn not to the bottle, not to the critical. We turn to Jesus. We turn to him right now. For Father, thank you that this good news is for all people. It's not only for the powerful and the privileged, it's for those on the outskirts, the marginalized of society. Open our eyes to be like Jesus and to rub shoulders. With the down and outs, Lord God, that's the message of Christmas. And finally, Lord God, we leave here like the shepherds left having seen Jesus. We leave here with a pep in our step. We leave here with joy, not with happiness. Happiness is based on happenings, but joy is rooted in Jesus. And may that joy be on our tongue. As we leave this place, for you, Jesus, are the real reason for this season. It is in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. And amen. God bless you, and Merry Christmas.
0: Here's a look at what's going on this week at Abundant Life.
1: During the Christmas holidays, the administrative offices will be closed from Monday, December 24th, through Monday, January 7th. From January 6th through 12th, ALCF will come together for Consecration Week, a time for us as a community to seek God in specific ways in believing prayer.
0: Men, if you truly want to understand how your past shapes and impacts who you are today, be sure to sign up for the next Men's Huddle series, A Man and His Story. The series kicks off with a Vision Breakfast meeting on Saturday, January 12th, from 8.30 to 10 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall, continuing on Saturdays through March 2nd. The cost is $25, and scholarships are available.
1: Here's the lineup for Equipping Center classes beginning in January.
0: If you're looking to enhance the power of your prayers, don't miss our upcoming class, Praying with Authority and Power. The classes take place on Sundays from 12 to 1.30 p.m., starting January 6th through February 17th in Classroom 2. And be sure to join Valerie Saunders for Jesus Among Secular Gods. Classes take place on Sundays starting January 20th through February 24th from 12 to 1.30 p.m. in Allies 2.
1: If you're looking to get the most out of your Bible studies, sign up for how to read and study the Bible. The classes take place on Sundays starting March 3rd through April 7th from 12 to 1.30 p.m. in Classroom 2. In the New and Better Promises class, elders Archelle Finney and Keith Richardson will unpack the Lord's commitments and assurances to us as believers in Jesus Christ. The classes take place on Sundays starting March 10th through May 5th from 12 to 1.30 p.m. in Allies 2. The cost for praying with authority and power and Jesus Among Secular Gods is $25 each. The cost for how to read and study the Bible and New and Better Promises is $20 each. And child care is available for all classes with pre-registration.
0: Don't miss Get In Sunday, a great opportunity to meet our leadership, get exposed to our growth groups, and discover ways to use your unique abilities at Abundant Life. Join us on January 13th from 12 to 1.30 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall and back parking lot for this great event, which also includes lunch.
1: Anxious for Nothing is our next Women's Bible Study. This six-week study takes place on Sundays, January 20th through February 24th, from 12.30 to 2 p.m. in Classroom 5. The entire month of February is fantastic four Month. Pastor Brian will preach on the top four sermon topics that you submit. Send in your request by January 20th at alcf.net slash signups.
0: The last Sunday of the month is now family-friendly. Safari Kids will be closed and your entire family is invited to join us in the sanctuary for our worship celebration. To sign up for any of these upcoming events, go to alcf.net slash or check out the ALCF app. And remember, abundant life exists to make a better you for a better world.